Taken the Joshi and wider Paresu world by storm over this last month or so. And me and uh, your John Dinsdale there are still Chair Wrestling Magazine, who is with me today. How are you, John? I'm doing well. It feels good to have picked a topic. <laughs> and, <laughs> yes, it's it's going to get crazy. It is. We were discussing last week, what should we do? What would be a cool idea for a future show? And I'd heard of Prominence and they're kind of like making waves and stuff. And John was like, that'd be a cool because they've done a bunch of stuff. Um, and so our stuff comes from both YouTube, which you can get for free, and also from Wrestling Universe, uh, Wrestle Universe which you can get for the price of sum of 999 yen a month, which is about seven quid. Um, and then so, what's GCW shows on it? Yeah, there you go. You see? You do all sorts of stuff with uh, Wrestling Universe. It's actually becoming what I think New Japan wanted to be, but couldn't get the rights for. <laughs> um, but now it's um, hosting all sorts of crazy and wonderful things. And it's a good job they changed the name to Wrestle Universe. <laughs> but there we are. And one of the companies they are hosting is Prominence. And Prominence is a stable which includes Akane Fujita, Hiragi Kurumi, Moki Miyagi, Risa Sera, and Suzu Suzuki, the biggest name of those five being Suzu Suzuki, but all of them are excellent professional wrestlers in a Joshi style, um, have been around a while, and this is kind of built on the Sendai Girls format of short roster, go do a bunch of stuff. You don't necessarily want to work by yourselves, you work with others to enhance the roster you have. John, this is a recent project. I mean, literally their first show was you know, announced in December. They had their first show, their pre-show in January, and then they've been doing the rounds with the big indies ever since. What did you think when these five got together? Well, as we remember from the reward, the award show, Suzu Suzuki was pretty much my wrestler of 2021. She sort of took the deathmatch world by storm when she announced her seven hardcore trial series and was fighting the best in deathmatch. Like, Riza Sarah is pretty much the deathmatch veteran of the group. She was breaking light tube fans before it was cool. And was, yeah, terrorizing Ice Ribbon. In fact, that's where most of these, I think all of them, mm. were from Ice Ribbon. So they were the sort of hardcore factor of it. And yeah, it's it was interesting to see an entire Joshi group dedicated to, like, hardcore and deathmatch sort of stylings most of them in fact sarah fujita and suzuki were all in the fmwe women's explosion tournament which i have not been able to watch all of because not all of it's available <laughs> but yeah they've they've been making a name and obviously now with the show rate we've got to talk about here they're expanding at quite a rapid rate they have appeared Everywhere from like DDT and Gake Pro to Glate and Stardom, there is nowhere that prominence won't show up and try and kill people. <laughs> there was some talk of Suzu Suzuki signing 
with um, stardom term uh, a while ago, and then it's like that all died away because she won't be allowed to do death matches then, so she's not doing it. <laughs> um, but yeah, Susan Suzuki is a 20 year veteran, she's the only member of the group who wasn't trained by um, Ice Ribbon. Um, or because basically everyone in this group was trained by either Emi Sakura or Kurashida. <laughs> so, you know, even people who were older by than Kurashida were trained by Kurashida. So this is a group of long-standing veterans who know how to get the best out of everything. And they opened their account, if you will, with a self-promoted show, which was called Prominence Pre-Launch Round One, which was kind of followed the... Uh, Chuck a pro approach of no ring, tell your story. And uh, it was at Akabara Talk Live Bar from scratch, and 56 people were in attendance, which may be the smallest attended show we've ever covered, I think, which would be quite a little, you know, nice story. Did we and, do empty arena stuff? Oh, yeah, but that's intentionally small audiences. I suppose this is intentionally small audiences, but. You know, it's well, we have done empty arena stuff, but really that's that's just for television purposes. But this is for actual, you know, wrestling content, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's not the same thing, I don't think. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> anyway, uh, this show started with them introducing the company and explaining what the format of the evening, uh, four of them would pick straws and face each other uh, in... Uh, basic wrestling matches and then there would be a tag team match at the end a tornado tag team match at the end as it would turn out no dqs no count outs no ring <laughs> and it was a bit silly two 10, 10 minute time limit matches and a no limit tag team match to finish the affair so we start with the first one which is maki miyagi versus suzu suzuki uh in six minutes and 41 seconds which included what can only be described as a polystyrene ball with plastic forks in to the vagina. Um, your thoughts, John? So the, the fun story of the polystyrene fork ball is that is something they carried over with them from the Gake Pro show they did. Like yes. That is a Gake Pro weapon through and through. And yeah, this this was fun because Miyagi's the veteran of the two. Suzuki, who was only 19, by the way, is burning up as one of the best on the scene at the moment probably got a bright future ahead of her and yeah you've just got this sort of fire versus flogging match i guess you could call it <laughs> it's it's a bit daft but it's all sort of done like pretty tongue-in-cheek and as you said one of the counters is a fork ball to the vagina yeah I mean, we're grown men. Why are we laughing at this? I well, I why it's, not? It's one of those things. Like, just, did you ever think you were going to say no, this? No, no. This is. A, I'm just. I'm just like before you came online. I was just flicking through Twitter whilst I was waiting for Skype to load. It just is an endless process. And I'm like watching a video of Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express, along with Dick Murdoch cutting a promo on Dusty Rhodes. Um and. I'm like, how do we, in one sense, my brain goes, how do we get from Dick Murdoch threatening to beat up Baby Doll, basically, was what the promo was about. You better protect your woman, Dusty Rhodes, uh, to this. <laughs> Japan. Japan. Fire. Yes, that's that's the thing. 
that's that's the, that's the thing. No, well, I, 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 you know, Dick Murdoch, by the way, excellent professional wrestler, massive wrestler, massive racist. But let's move on. <laughs> yeah, um, it, yeah, it was fun. It was, it was just fun. Uh, the cage match guys give it six point five. Um, there was enough votes for this to get this. So, like, I think more people have voted on this than actually were there in person, which is kind of cool. I suppose it's it's what you'd call an acquired taste show because it is. It's very tongue in cheek, sort of. We'll show you how tough we are, whilst also sort of showing that we've got range. Like we're all just here to have a good time, see some like flogging, see some chair shots. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do like hardcore matches, but make them fun. Yeah, that was it. Kind of like this was fun all the way through. The second match was kind of fun for the first four minutes and then broke down into an actual fight <laughs> it was much stiffer the second one this was a county fugita versus Rizzo it went to a time limit draw and actually was pretty brutal towards the end i thoroughly enjoyed it uh the opening part was essentially a game of baseball um to get things kicked off as fugita comes to the ring with a baseball bat covered in um thumbtacks while sarah comes to the ring it with a uh um, kendo stick covered in barbed wire and by did they use that kendo stick in all possible ways you didn't w- wish you could use it including a Boston crab with which can only be described as you know uh, cleavage <laughs> destruction via barbed wire and also chest on chest baseball bats which was not pleasant and looked like it hurt a lot <laughs> but the actual wrestling part of this match was excellent. These two were wonderful professional wrestlers, so it was well worth it just for that alone. What's your thoughts on this one, John? Yeah, this was just the two veterans sort of saying, right, you've seen what the kids did, now watch us just kill each other. <laughs> yeah, as you said, it got very violent. It got quite mean, and just, yeah, a lot of, a lot of fuckery used in ways you weren't expecting it. No, no. This is cutting-edge stuff. Again, Literally cutting edges. You see Sorry. the softball game and you think, ah, and it's another fun match. And then it's, by the end of it, you're just like, well. Restless. <laughs> that got nasty very fast. Yeah. The tag match at the end, pretty nasty too. Uh, Riza Sarah and Suzu Suzuki defeated Akani Fujita and Maki Miyagi. 30 minutes and 52 seconds of pretty serious back and forth action. That All 56 people had their were on the edge of their seats, were they not? Yeah, this... This was just, all right, the gloves are off. It was the losers of the matches versus the winners of the matches. So obviously Sarah and Suzuki had been the losers. Sarah losing to a game of Chankin because their (laughs) match went to a draw. And yeah, Fujita and Miyagi. So if you'd think, oh, winner's advantage, nope. And again, it was just all that sort of weaponry meets pretty solid like wrestling. Like Suzuki showed off more of her actual wrestling ability in this one. Miyagi is a very dependable hand. And yeah, you just got more of Fujita and Sarah littered throughout. It was just, they had such a small area to work in and they still made it work. They did. They, they, they Basically, the area was like, it was like a small TV studio you'd expect like a news program to be shot in, basically. So the area at the front of the stage, which would be called the orchestra pit back in the day, was about four meters by two meters 
which isn't a lot, which is about the size of your front room. <laughs> and then they had, they proceeded to have a tornado tag team wrestling match in there. It was quite remarkable. I just love at one point the action threatened to go to near the commentary area because it was like just completely unprotected on the stage and you could just see like everyone going, no, get the hell away. No, no, no. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, no, it was fun. Um, and it kind of like sets the tone for the organization going forward. Would you not agree? To a degree, yes. It's a lot of the matches that prominence have done so far have either been dead serious evil villain like shenanigans or it's light-hearted like deathmatch stuff mm-hmm. and i think it's mainly to warm people up to the fact that women do deathmatches too because yeah in say freedoms and bjw the only like real women like woman doing deathmatches you see there is re uh yamashita like, as I said, Riza Sarah has been doing, like, deathmatch stuff for a while. She had an annual birthday, like, deathmatch Royal Rumble thing where you'd usually get, like, a lot of the BJW guys fighting her in drunken deathmatches. But it's still relatively untouched overall, like, on the female side of things. Like, obviously, in the US, you've got more female deathmatch fighters than you'd see like you'd see on a daily basis rather than I suppose most I hate to use the word serious but more violent deathmatch wrestlers like pure violence deathmatch wrestlers they're not trying to sweeten the pot if you see what I mean whereas prominence <laughs> is clearly trying to bring the wider public to this idea of women deathmatch wrestlers does that make sense yeah I, I feel like that's what they're going for now and then they're just going to shock the hell out of everyone when they see what they're actually capable of it's kind of draw people in. That's what they're after, I would guess. You know, it is like, whereas like deathmatch wrestling in the States for women is kind of like, I'm this, ha. Um, and it's going to appeal to a very niche audience. But I can see what they're trying to do. And I think it's very clever. <laughs> it definitely works the, alongside the fact that Wrestle Universe is hosting them at the moment as well. Yeah, because definitely. they fit right in with the sort of ddt variety hour style of like broadcasting Mm -hmm. because there is a nice sort of balance between this sort of serious technical wrestling and just hardcore comedy indeed yes um let us move on speaking of ddt gaki nifuchi joshi pro wrestling clockwork gate number no fuchi 2022 gaki nifuchi versus prominence which is perhaps the longest title show we've ever come across um it was at Shinjuki Face. For those of you who don't know Shinjuki Face, it's the place you go when you can't afford to book Kurikanol. <laughs> Basically, it's the it's the one down from Kurikan. In the in the greater echelons, you've got the Tokyo Dome at the top, then there's Budokan, then there's Sumo Hall, then it's Kurikan Hall, then Shinjuku Face is a purpose-built wrestling uh theater, basically, right on the last uh stop of the bullet train in Tokyo. So everyone get there and it's in this little market area and everybody records shows there, um, especially like regular TV shows. Stardom did God knows how many shows there and they usually run their tag league uh, matches there and the smaller tournament matches there and stuff because not everyone wants to see everything. Um, and Joshi companies have essentially made a living out of their cheerleader Melissa once slept in the kitchen for a month. 
<laughs> it's, it's that kind of place. You they, know, they tend to run a lot of their like produce shows and like yeah. the smaller scale cards from Shinjuku first as well. I basically kept them going whilst they were trying to do their um empty arena TV series as well. So it's a yeah, very valuable it, venue. It is. And it's it's much like Kurokanol, three wrestling shows a day, seven days a week. And all the TV's in there, they don't have to change anything. Everybody puts in their, their own camera crews and does their puts their ring in and does their show and takes it out so the next crew can take over. And um, yeah, it's a very cool place. Um, but this show was a bit different from the usual DET stuff uh, with the usual levels of craziness. It opened with what really should have been the main event, I think, thinking about it. Suzy Suzuki versus Chris Brooks in a hardcore match. It's kind of main event worthy. And it made some for some awkward kind of coverage. <laughs> but um, we'll get to that in a bit. I'll, I'll give you a little sort of rundown on Gake Pro. So this... I first discovered Gake Pro last year. Might have been last year, year before. Because they were running a show in a bar opposite Wrestle Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And it was a one-match show. And it was the company's owner... And solitary roster, like permanent roster member, Miyako Matsumoto, taking on Chris Brooks in a 60-minute Gake Rules death match. And Matsumoto is an idol, a cult leader, a death match wrestler, you name it, she'll give herself every title she can. And <laughs> for want of a better term, she's absolutely crazy. And that is kind of the mantra for Gake Pro. Now, Chris Brooks is the only other roster member because DDT trained him there, traded him there to make his life hell. And <laughs> a lot of the time, those two end up either teaming together or being put in the bigger matches. However, Gake Pro also has no concept of, like, doing anything traditionally. So, for example, in the layout of this card, you've got... Like Brooks and Suzuki in the first match, where they put on an absolute like, I think it's twenty five minutes of just hardcore like wrestling excellence. It was it one was, of my it's favorite. 20, twenty two minutes twenty five seconds, and it got seven point nine five from the cage match users. We'll tell you how good it is. It, it is exceptional. Don't just take our word for it. <laughs> it's one of the best matches that's happened in Gake Pro, like just on a purely. Like, it's one of the best matches that's happened in Japan this year. The bar's pretty low, but it is. It is. You know, as far it, as traditional match types go for Gake Pro, this is the best they've done. And again, it, it's sort of down to the versatility of the wrestlers in it. Yeah. yeah. Like Chris Brooks and Suzu Suzuki are two people you can put in a match, tell them to do one thing and they'll do it, and they'll do it damn well. Like Brooks and Hardcore go together way better than you'd ever expect and Suzu Suzuki is no stranger to it like she'll rain bells down on a ring and just bump on them for ages until she's covered in little bell-shaped bruises and she'll be happy about it yes this is this is the first time I'd seen jingle sticks used excessively in a professional professional wrestling match and as a primary school music educator I was very impressed Oh, that's Suzu Suzuki's calling card. She uses bells, and she ran. She has a like. She never got to do it properly in the um, produce show because they kept interrupting it. 
but she'll just take a bucket full of like stray bells and rain them over the ring like someone does with tacks. And it, <laughs> it's wild to think that something like you'd never think of is now being used as a deathmatch weapon and probably hurts just as much as tacks. Yeah, definitely. They're, they're horrible things. Um, Chris, Mr. Brooks did get some slight help from the outfit outside, though, didn't he? Uh, yes, the Icky Toes and Death winner, Drew Parker, popped up again, as again he often does in uh, Gake Pro. Except this time he wasn't used as a dartboard, so he <laughs> he got it nicer than one of the last times I saw him. Drew is currently stuck in Japan, even though he had bookings in the North America, he can't get out of Japan because of a, a, an increase in uh, COVID constrictions. But he doesn't seem that bothered. <laughs> I mean, oh no, worse... I have to stay here? Oh, stop, shame. There's worse places <laughs> to be stuck. And I mean, he's still getting to wrestle, so... Yeah, yeah. Five days a week and twice on Sundays. Um, next up, Riza Sarah defeated Miyaku Matsumoto by 105 falls to zero. Uh, this is a complicated match that at one point involved a game of Wink Murder, as far as I can tell. Um, could you explain the rules to me? Because I was fascinated. Welcome However, I didn't know clue what was going on. So, basically, Gake rules means that at any set moment, the match will shift to something else. This could go from wrestling to sumo to some kind of random race to boxing matches with people representing you like hell they even had no a no laughing contest in this one it's it's very random often very comedic and nearly always ends up with miyako losing by a drastic amount (laughs) and this one was no different because as you said, 105 points to nothing. I'm pretty sure that all came from the all or nothing final game. <laughs> was it Miyaki Matsumato who was singing over them cleaning the ring up after the death match? No, that was. Um, another, who's that bloke? <laughs> that was the executive Munanari Sawa. There we go. Who ended up wrestling as well. Just yeah. in a dress, giving a very rousing musical performance. It's a pretty cut, um, you know, exe- wrestling executive. To be honest with you, I, overall, he looked, he looked very good. And then, yeah, he, he did everything and serenaded the audience whilst the ring boys were trying to clear of all of the weapons used in the hardcore match. Uh, you usually get some element of music in... Ake Pro. They've had idol groups in there that then get used as weapons. <laughs> there's, just, <laughs> there's a whole lot of just fun. Like that's that's kind of Gake Pro. It's fun WTF level weirdness that nearly was... always bites <laughs> Miyako Matsumoto in the arse. Um, who was the substitutes for uh, Sarah and Matsumoto in the sumo match? Because I can't remember. Uh, let me just double check. Because at the one point they broke down into a sumo match, and oh, didn't yeah. Sawa have to um battle the other prominence member Harugi? Is it Harugi? Yeah, that's it. Because again, Matsumoto just getting the raw deal. 
Yeah, that's she, she. She they did really make her lose quite an awful lot in this match. I think my favorite her. one though was where right you've got to race to the ring and deck the referee, and the referee just takes them both out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then we'll move on to the next match, which is prominence again. Akani Fujita and Maki Miyagi this time they took on Sanshiro Takagi and Senna's sister Mio Inoue, and it went to a no contest in eleven minutes and forty five seconds. Please explain. Right, so Seno Sister Mao is another of the Gake sort of hype people. They occasionally wrestle, but in this instance they had Mao DDT wrestling sensation taking over the Seno Sister role. And there was a lot of screaming in this one. A lot of screaming. (laughs) That's from the Seno Sister. Yeah, um, obviously Sanshiro Takagi, big boss of DDT, and the reason Gaki Pro is on Wrestle Universe because he loves this weird little company and was a special guest referee on that show I mentioned earlier where there was a 60 minute just pure death match. (laughs) And yeah, they were against Vegeta and Miyagi who were there to have just as much fun, and there was a lot of hissing at each other because. They took the piss out of Yokohama Hammers. <laughs> that's that's uh, the um, Mongolian chops that only um, the Great Okan can use these days. It was, an, again, a lot of flogging. And there was, yeah. Takagi just kind of getting the raw end of the stick here because every time they were going to do something, Mao would hit him. <laughs> like, no... The reason it goes to a no contest is Takagi switches sides and Shun Makatsumata tries to equal the balance and get the match thrown out because Takagi's just like, what the hell are you doing? Why am I surrounded by idiots? And just looks at prominence it's like, right, I'm joining you. You look more organised than us. Which is how all war should end. <laughs> but yeah, again, this was just kind of a bit of a comedy mess. It was. It was a a well-organized comedy mess. I will say that. It was an entertaining comedy mess. But that kind of went to the no-disqualification 5-on-4 handicap match, which featured prominence and Sanshiro Takagi against Chris Brooks, Miyaku Matsumoto, who he was dead happy to be tagging with, Sino Sister Mio Inoue and Shunma Katsumoto. And it went for 15 minutes and 26 seconds of just pure insanity. It was brilliant because you've got Katsumato, DDT's Lego boy, taking on a can Fujita, Prominence's Lego girl. Yeah, and it's just like, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the Battle of the Block master, and it's like, nope. And they both just end up taking so many horrible landings on Lego. <laughs> you got to see the uh, Miyako coaster as well. In yes. all of its, um, it's never worked. It has never worked <laughs> once. I don't think it will ever work. <laughs> For those of you who, who who would like to know, it is a snapmare of every member of the opposing team, and then your team does a forward roll a la PE in year four over the opponents. Uh, Brooks, again, dead happy with this entire turn of events, uh, which was like the, the, the sunniest spot of this entire curve me, Chris Brooks being utterly miserable. <laughs> if like Chris Brooks just adds so much personality to most matches he's in, it's it's the reason Lulu Pencil got in the PWI because 
his like wars with her and the fact that he put so much personality into hating her made it like the ultimate baby face of the wrestling world. <laughs> She's done a, he's done quite well in the there was the um, her, there was the fan poll awards this week and I'm pretty sure Brooks was top thirty, I think. Maybe I'm wrong. As it stands, Chris Brooks is the best wrestler on the planet for just making you give a shit about something. I think he, and this is going to be strong words that people may disagree with me, but I think he has that same vibe that Eddie Guerrero has. Like, you look at him and the way he wrestles and you want to see more of him. You know, he does something that that he's just such an all-round talent. He can promo, he can brawl, he can straight wrestle you, he can technical wrestle you. And there's very much like an Eddie Guerrero kind of shtick to him, that kind of feel to him. Not that he's a luchador, not that he's got that kind of, you know, level of legendary status to him yet. But I think he could do that, that level of just, you know, because no one has a bad word to say about him. You know, he's a good all-round wrestler. He's a hard-working wrestler and he loves wrestling just the same way that Guerrero used to. And I think that's... Probably someone's going to have a go at me for making that comparison, but I think it's very real. You know, this is his Black Tiger kind of run, if you see what I mean. He's also not afraid to cheat and steal on occasion. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. He's or got push more... his partner down the stairs in a plastic tub to a doom. <laughs> As he did here. Which, which happens a lot. In, in <laughs> but yeah, so that, that was that fairly hilarious card. Um, Again, just the cage match guys gave it 6.86, which is a bit low because they gave all of the matches more than 6.7, but the actual show itself, 6.86. So maybe the putting the main event first thing was probably a bigger deal than uh, than people th- than they thought. Again, <laughs> it's a very acquired taste kind of show because you've got these people that are like, oh, wrestling isn't wrestling, man, it's dumb. And it's like, uh, yeah, that's that's not right, really. Like, wrestling is whatever you want it to be. It can be people in Madison Square Garden doing Hulk Hogan versus Ultimate Warrior. It could be whatever the hell you want it to be. I enjoy it when it's deathmatch outfits and random wrestlers assembled into makeshift teams hitting each other with Lego. It's all still wrestling, and it's all still enjoyable. There you go. Different flavors of ice cream for different people. Speaking Guess of different, you can mix yeah. them up, and it still works. Speaking of different flavors of ice cream, here's a company that essentially has vanilla and chocolate chip, and that's all they do. <laughs> uh, which is, of course, Glate. Um, one of our favorite promotions that we've covered a lot, mainly because their shows are free, so anyone can watch them. But they're also really broad based in their appeal because they essentially have two styles which is lucha libre and shoot fighting and they've combined those two things in a way that we found very much fun to watch uh sorry three styles joshi shoot fighting and lucha japanese lucha style and that's really where we kind of kick off with this show this was the first of the g-rex title uh first champion decision tournament I love that name. Just G-Rex. G-Rex. That's, that's, that's alpha male stuff, isn't it, really? With G-Rex. Um, yeah, for, for Glate. Like, what's your title called? I'm a G-Rex bitch. And the G-Rex <laughs> champion. Of all the G-Rexes, I'm the best. 
<laughs> I think the only way it would be even better is if the title had little dinosaur arms. <laughs> it's got pterodactyl wings, I know that much. It's a cute, it's a cool looking title. Um, it, it's still better than the, the IWGP, IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. But then again, any belt would look better. Than the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Even the GCW tag titles, which were clearly made out of plastic, look better than the IWGP oh, God, World Heavyweight Championship belt. Good wrestling, do we want to address one of the funnier moments of this week? Go on, it's then. Funny slash sad. Uh, Will Ospreay at it again. Oh, yeah. He's like, <laughs> I've got a picture, like a montage. It's got Kenny Omega, Kazuchika Okada, Masawa, and there was... Oh, who were the other two? It was... It was... Uh, it was uh, Kawada... Uh, Kawada... Um... Double K, Kenta Kabashi, Misawa, Okada, and Omega. And he's like, I'm going to be just like them. And basically everyone on Twitter was just like, no, you're not. Don't even try. I, I think, no, and his base, it was his, base, his basic argument was he was chasing the, the number of five-star matches. And that's basically because he's really good mates with Big Dave, who gives out the five-star matches awards. And it's like, uh, <laughs> um, Dave Meltzer has been close friends with Osprey for quite some time, and it's amazing how many five star matches he has. But to be fair, he was good mates with Kenny Omega in the books as well, and they had a lot of five star matches too. Um, so you know, it's I did point out from that list uh, as I followed up somebody else point making point about it of, of like. You know, he's trying to chase that. So, so, my, so my answer to that was, so he's not interested in drawing ticket sales or winning anything then. You know, the two things that actually matter in the wrestling industry. He just wants to have good matches, which is fine. <laughs> I think he but, knows he's not a draw anymore, though. Well, yeah. Some level of self-awareness to it all. Hence this little stunt. Possibly. And then went to have an argument with Kenny Omega, who buried him in about 10 seconds flat. It's like part of me always feels sorry for Will Ospreay because I feel like he goes into these things with a certain idea and then it just completely backfires because A, Twitter never forgives, Twitter never forgets. No, and and he's he's not bright enough to really see the depth of what he needs to do. You know, I'm Kenny Omega's run done some run stuff and he has been forgiven for it because he came out and apologized for it. You know, I was thinking most mainly of using Chase and Rance on an indie show he was booking once. And he said, I didn't realize, I apologize for it. People took it at face value. Because Will never apologizes for anything he does, then, you know, it's it's like that's the reason why people don't back down from him and give him a hell of a time. I, don't, and, I also know, don't think he gets to use the line, bit dodgy, mate, as a comeback. no. no. Definitely not. This this is also came from the fact that he accused Kenny Omega of being weird for wrestling a nine-year-old on that stardom show years ago. And it's like, because uh, you're nearly 40 and you wrestled a nine-year-old. Well, he wasn't 40 when he wrestled the nine-year-old. That nine-year-old is now 18. It was nine years ago. He was 31. <laughs> and it's like, it's just a fun bit of wrestling. There's nothing else more to it than that. And there's also the point that, you know, you protected... Uh, an accused rapist for many, many years and tried to get them more jobs in the wrestling industry and couldn't understand why no one would hire your mates because you said so. You know, it's... It, <laughs> it's it just... 
yeah, it, there's all sorts of stuff that Will needs to sort out in his head. And, you know, it's like the other issue with me is also that he does bring up the mental health card on a regular basis. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I hope he does get himself some uh, release from his mental health issues. But he does himself no favours. Not, not me saying people attacking him are right all the time. They're not necessarily are. But the fact that he brings it up whenever he does something wrong does say to me that then you need to sort that out and you need to talk to people about it. And I appreciate that you need, and you could also just not tweet people about anything and go off social media and then you wouldn't have to worry about it, would you? I saw the best line from Alex Kane today. Like it's completely unrelated to any of this, but it's just, um, they thought it's like, not every thought you have, you can have any thought you want, but not every thought has to pass your lips or your Twitter. And I'm just like, yep. Yeah. There's stuff I was doing today and I was like, this isn't funny and this is a bit much. So I'm going to delete it. I go, sorry, I, had, I can't remember what it was, but it was like, I've downloaded pictures to illustrate my point about something. I was like, no, nah, this isn't funny. It doesn't add anything to the conversation. So I'm not going to use it. Like, this the... is it. I get, I get sort of calling people out on their bullshit, but I don't I often enjoy seeing the sort of dogpiling mobs that come from it because it just helps illustrate like points like that. Yeah. Give people more leverage with like, oh, just look at the bullying. It's like, uh, there is a difference between bullying and being held accountable for dumb ideas. That's that's the basic issue is that I'm calling out. I mean, I, yes, to talk about your mental health issues, please do, because more people should do. However, blaming, you know, people for stress on your mental health issues when you do not have to speak. Jude Robinson is a classic example of a highly successful professional wrestler who doesn't go on social media. And as a result of that, people didn't know he was dating Tony Storm at all until she announced that they were getting married. <laughs> so he got to keep his private life. The more Joe was sort of doing a little checkup today saying, sorry if, like, I'm not on social media all that much. I'm a bit too busy enjoying life. Exactly. That's the thing. You know, it's like you don't have to do anything or say anything. You know, Bonora Suzuki posts pictures of himself going fishing and wearing socks he likes. And the occasional but, murder photo, so you don't forget that he will kill you. Yeah, exactly. You know, put he, put, he puts his presence online. But there's plenty of people who use, and you know, that's the other thing is like, oh, I was tweeting as my character, and it's like your character is an awful, awful human being. Why would you put any more of that into the public domain? You know, it's just yeah, it, it this this exceptionally talented wrestler. But not necessarily the best thing to watch for numerous reasons. And if he had a really good match at your call, I'm really pleased for him. That's really cool. But I won't watch it because it's him. And that's that's that. <laughs> Move and on. Now we can go back to the positive. <sighs> back to Gleet. Which nothing's ever wrong with Gleet. It's always good. It's always a good show with wrestlers I enjoy watching who do cool stuff and there's loads of variety. And it's such an interesting concept. Um, we started off with Seema, John Toshino, John Toshno, Tonsho, John, I'll get the right name right, John, John Tonsho, and they defeated Keiichi Sato and Soma Watanabe in 10 minutes and 26 seconds in a really fun opening tag match where Strong Hearts did really well. And who doesn't want to see Strong Hearts do really well? You must not like kittens if you don't like Strong Hearts. John, 
I mean, Bulk Orchestra don't like strong hearts. Well, yeah, I suppose so. But, yeah. yeah. Again, perfect <laughs> sort of opening match type energy. You've got strong hearts. You've got high end, like high energy going into the match. You've got a lot of action and just yeah, it's perfectly like palatable and enjoyable as a sort of opening match experience. You don't. There's not a lot of depth to it, but there doesn't need to be. It's just a plain enjoyable match. Next up, you had prominence Akanami Fujita, Maki Miyagi, and Suzu Suzuki. And they defeated Madeline, Michiko Miyagi, and Yukari Hosokawa of Glate. Madeline isn't of Glate. She's just wrestling because they needed someone else to tag also with Also in that FMWE Women's Deathmatch tournament. Madeline? Yeah. She was good. I liked her. Uh, she's regularly a pro wrestling Diana wrestler. She works for Kyoka in a way. And it's only been around for two years. And was trained by Emi Sakura, funnily enough. <laughs> and Kiyoku went away. Uh, who else was there? Somebody else, another name I saw in there. Uh, oh, Maisu Rigara and Kiyoku in a way and Emi Sakura. So that's 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 not a bad training crew, is it? As no. teachers go, that's pretty handy. Um, and this was fine. The women of Glate seem to be on the bad end of the stick all the time because they lose a lot. Are they building to something with them too, do you think? I'm going to assume so, because it's it seems like the traditional formula of, right, these people are popular, so we're going to have them lose a lot and lose a lot and lose a lot, and then that final like final win is going to blow the bloody roof off. It is the Baba way of booking things, which is very sensible and kind of like goes back on the traditions of Glee. It's kind of based on the glory days of Japanese professional wrestling, which is the 1990s. So you had big money matches in El Japan Pro Wrestling with a straight ahead booking style that relied on strong finishes and the same in UWF. And those are the two basic structures that you have in Glee. And Josh is kind of the same way with that as well. So yeah, no, this was really fun. Really enjoyed it. it. We didn't pick this show at random because look, prominence. And they, yes. were, they were just doing straight wrestling as vicious sort of villainous, nasty villains. Yes. Yeah, that, that sounded like it was spoken by a five-year-old. <laughs> but yeah no it was good solid professional wrestling I like Miyagi and I like Asakawa a lot and all of them but this was fun well worth it and kind of doing their thing they are kind of hired guns that you bring into your territory that's it's, how it's... the only match on cage match it doesn't have enough votes for a rating that's a shame it should have but there we go we'll move on though to the next first of the tournament matches Al Linderman defeated Issei Onitsaka in 11 minutes and 36 seconds a little bit of a corker. I really enjoyed this one. I like Linderman. I like Onisaka. But this was actually really good wrestling. What's your thoughts on this one, John? Yeah, they they these tournament matches have been very cleverly selected because each pairing brings out the best in the other. Like El Linderman and Onitsuka have a very similar style in that they're both very stocky, very fast, and very hard hitting. And when you mix those together with just the sheer no-fucks-given style in which they were wrestling this one, it's, as you said, a bit of a corker. <laughs> Occasionally I'd tap out to check Twitter for something, and then I'd just hear another chop sound and just be like, yep, I know exactly <laughs> what's happening. Like, these two just beat the hell out of each other. Yeah, which is kind of what you want in a tournament where they're trying to establish their first world champion. This was really, really good way to go about it. Two strong wrestlers getting their start. It was cool. Uh, thoroughly enjoyable. 
Lindemann they also is such a, like a specimen as well. Well, they're like, all ripped on this company. Everyone looks like a million dollars. They all spend an awful lot of time in the gym and they must get a group discount for tanning salons. See, this is it. People are like, oh, where's all the... Where's all my muscle-bound tan wrestlers? It's like, well, you hear, have you ever heard of Glit? <laughs> They're all no, there. No vanilla midgets there, my friend. No, highly tan short people. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was good. Um, should we move on to the next match? Yeah. Intriguingly, they matched the Lucha Style guys with the Lucha Style guys and the Shoot Style guys with the Shoot Style guys. So Minoru Tanaka defeated Daijiro Matsui in 6 minutes and 30 seconds when one of them suddenly remembered that he could do pinfalls because it wasn't a shoot-style match. <laughs> that was weird. Yeah. Basically. I was like, oh, oh! <laughs> Wait, why am I beating the hell out of each other and letting him get back up? I can just yeah. pin him. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look at that. I've won. Yeah, this it just genuinely looked like they'd forgotten pinfalls mattered because under Gleet UWFI sorry UWFI Ledet rules, pinfalls don't count. But they were wrestling in a regular pro match, and it was like Fnark went, Oh yeah, I could just lay on top of him. <laughs> and they're like, Yeah, there you can, there you go, there you win. And it was a bit weird, but I liked it. But it was kind of full on shoot style to start with for the first five minutes or so, and then kind of broke down into a professional wrestling match, which I'm much in favour of. What's your yeah, thoughts on it, John? It was a very kind of slightly comedic tone to take for the pure shoot fight. Because it's like, right, we've done we've done our grappling and our chokes and our like heavy strikes, and it's like, wait, this isn't this isn't you do WFI. I can just pin you. And you can't do anything about it. <laughs> and you couldn't. No, again, Matt, Matt Sui seems like one of the much like the sort of women in it, he, he just gets the short end of the stick a lot. Yeah, I think they could be building for something with him. He's, he, a bit, he, he's a bit like Pentagon in Lucha Underground. Like, first season, he just gets his ass handed to him on a regular basis and then suddenly becomes this dark monster. And I think Matsui could be a dark monster for Glee if they wanted him to. He's kind of like the poster boy for their UWFI division. And it, mm. they're sort of building him up, it looks like. I think as well, like, Tanaka's kind of a junior heavyweight. And you look at the other people that went through in this round and they're junior heavyweights, so it kind of makes sense. Rather it's than Minoru Tanaka, yeah. you can't it's, really. It's, it's Minoru Tanaka. <laughs> big name with a lot, a lot of clout behind him. Definitely, and one of the first matches we actually reviewed of Minoru Tanaka was him versus Tiger Mask for the NWA Junior Heavyweight Championship on a battle art show that me and Dara did a couple of years ago, and Dara was like. Darren never seen shoot style wrestling before, but he's an MMA enthusiast. And I was trying to explain to him that this is where MMA comes from. And he was like, oh, I get it. He said, it never occurred to me that people would hit each other that hard for no reason because they weren't trying to win. They were just doing it for artistic purposes. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. So yeah. uh, next up, Yuizka defeated Kazayashi in 10 minutes and 24 seconds. Here's Booker of the Year for you, Kazayashi. He knows what he's doing, doesn't he? Yep. And especially yeah. for this one, this was this was stiff. This is this was stiff. Well, here's the thing, right? I think I've achieved a fair amount in my life, a couple of degrees, to mayor of my hometown, successful business owner, published journalist. And then I look at Kazayashi, who's been at the top of his profession for the last 30 years and doesn't look a day over 25. And he's a year older than me. 
So there's that. <laughs> My um, validation continues. He's still going very, very strong. He is. And Imniska put in a bit of a corker that you was did say was as stiff as houses for a pro-style match in a non-shoot-style way. They actually probably had the stiffest match of the night, to be honest. And again, it was just a perfect pairing because like Iska feels like a younger version of Hayashi. Mm. And they're just and again, this sort of younger versus older guy dynamic, where it's like, I can beat you. Nah, man, I'm at the top of my game. You're not doing that style of match. And just, yeah, again, bit of a corker. Yeah, definitely. And that kind of moved us onto the break. Um, and then what was fascinating about the break was when they were cleaning the ring, they didn't realize they were doing it. But the two guys were cleaning opposite ropes and they were in perfect synchronization. So it was one white one way, the other white the other way, and it was like coordinated, and it looked really cool. Small things <laughs> make me happy, clearly. But yeah, but no. They didn't have Munanari Sawa in a dress serenading everyone. They didn't, no, that's true. Um, but then again, who could fill that role? <laughs> yes, possibly. Maybe not. I don't think so. Anyway, let's move on to the semi-final, which is Rising Hayato... And Strongheart, Seema and T-Hawk, they defeated Bulk Orchestra, Ayata Tamura, Kazuma, Sakamoto, and Nobuhiro Shin, Shin Matini. And they kind of carried on where they left off from the last show, which was version 2. This is version 15. The great numbering system bears no relation to the order of shows. Bear that in mind. Uh, so they went from 2 to 15. Well, well, the previous show before 2 was 14. Well, this is wrestling. Yeah. So, yeah, it's all a bit weird. Anyway, um, this they picked up picked up where they left off from the last uh, show version two, and this was thoroughly entertaining. What's your thoughts on this one, John? I think the thing that cracked me up the most was just how pissed off Hayato Tamura looked with his new freshly shorn skinhead. Yeah, he's, he's just... really going with it, isn't he? <laughs> like, I I don't know if I should have done this, but here I am. I'm now <laughs> shaven head. I'm still going to beat the shit out of you. Choices were made. They weren't necessarily the right ones, but here I am. For those of you who don't know, uh, Bulk Orchestra lost a five-man elimination tag team match at the last Glade show where uh, Tamura ended up having his head shaved because they were pulled at random. It would have been T-Hawk having his head shaved should Strong Hearts have lost. And it was actually one of the best tag matches we've seen in a long, multi-man tag matches we've seen in a long time. And this was pretty damn good too. Any other comments on this match? I'm pretty sure Bulk Orchestra lost because someone opened an umbrella indoors. Mm. <laughs> like, I, I saw that, and since I already knew the result of the show, because I was obviously checking if I'd have enough time to watch it all, it was just like, ah, yep, yeah, you were cursed by superstition. <laughs> Didn't have opened that umbrella indoors. It's bad luck. But yeah, great match, great wrestlers, and a nice sort of win for Rising Hayato. There you go. Next up, Takanari Ito defeated Ryuchi Kawakami in the main event of the evening and the final G-Rex title first champion decision tournament first round match. 18 minutes and 6 seconds, a classic example of Styles makes fights as the pro Kawakami lost to the shooter Ito. Uh, it was stiff old do, wasn't it? This was, this was pretty hardcore and I really enjoyed this match. I like Ito a lot and I like Kawakami a lot as well, but this was kind of big lads wrestling. 
in a proper kick and shoot style. What's your thoughts on this one, John? Yeah, this this was a very worthy main event spot match. This this went hard and heavy, and it yeah probably left them hurting a lot. It was very stiff, went everywhere, and practically had every style you could possibly want from two big guys beating the shit out of each other. And yeah, Ito is quite the fighter. It is. Puts him kind of on tour, you know, as the big lad with all the skills, kind of puts him on point for winning the championship maybe at this particular stage. I'm not sure if we're going to have another bunch of first-round matches at the next show, which is in February. We're in uh, February no, now. it was today. And it was was second, it today? Second-round matches. There you go. So maybe we could watch that for next week's show. But um, there's also some big Noah stuff happened this week as well. And there was DDT show today too. There's just so much wrestling to catch yeah. up with. Let's just hope for Ito's sake that Chuji Ishikawa doesn't decide to come and play, considering how their last encounter went. Well, yes, this is true. But I think looking at those four contenders, I'd go with him. He looks like the guy who's got the rub at the moment. It's either uh, him or Lindemann, I think. Yeah, possibly. But it's going to be interesting because obviously you're going to have to have some of the loops you guys wrestle, some of the shooters next. So it'll be interesting how those styles make those particular fights, as it always is, which is what we love about Glate. And what we love about Prominence, because they have a specific house style and they go take it on the road to a bunch of other people's with very differing house styles, which is kind of what wrestling's about. Styles makes fights, as Chelsea uh, Spollen so often said when she was a regular on the show. She still is an occasional on this show, but she still believes that to be true. And she's absolutely right. You know, whether it's shoot style, Japanese lucha style, whether it's anything that Gleek puts forward, it creates this kind of buzz because of the way things work in that particular company and the way that they present their wrestling. And I think that's the other thing is like the prominence thing. I like the whole level of presentation. They're trying to do something different and they presented it in a different way, but it was still slick. It got the same ring announcer as um, Gaki no Fuji, haven't they, as well? Yes, I believe so. So it's a total package that you're getting with them. Um, And I think that's a really cool way of going about it. It's worked before because Sendai Girls kind of doing a similar thing, but with geography rather than style. Though they were obviously all Mako Satomura students, so they had a certain style about them. Whereas this is just this is just fun, and I thoroughly enjoy it and recommend it to you. It's what just, do you say, John? Yeah, a bunch of the sort of ladies were just like, hey, we like death matches. We could take this on the road. And they have, and Maybe. it's working wonders for them. There you go. And you I'm know. going to be very intrigued to see their, like, positioning of everything at the end of the year because like i really want to see this play out properly why do you want to see them at the end of the year well i still hope they're doing that like nomadic tribe sort of touring thing but like they are the sort of boss that if they show up on your door you are fucked that is the <laughs> way that i want to see it play out they are like strong hearts in that sense as well you know strong hearts are a faction that are Work for everybody. We'll work for anyone for money, and it's kind of it's kind of cool that they end up in Glate, which is kind of Strongheart's home now. So I think that was cool. It's it's nice. I like how it all fits together. Right then, speaking of fitting together, we're going to have to fit some more time into watch some more wrestling for next week's show. So we're going to have to go. But thank you very much for listening today. We hope you've enjoyed our thoughts on this rising faction and these three great shows. We hope you can go find them. You can find them on YouTube. 
for free with Glate, and you can find them on Wrestle Universe for Gakinofuchi uh, and for the prominence pre-show. Uh, John, where can we find you on the internet, sir? You can find me at John Deathman on Twitter. That is the gateway to hell that leads you to all my writings, my opinions, and takes. I don't know. Do I have any takes? Takes, hot or otherwise. <laughs> but yeah, obviously keep it tuned to Steel Chair, WrestlingSC.com.uk, whichever. Again, memorizing things is not my specialty. But yes, that's where me and Mr. Troopany write for. And yeah, more GCW stuff coming and other things, whatever happens this week. <laughs> yeah, we'll discuss what we're going to cover next week's show for next week's show. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening to the Troopany Show. My name is James Troopany. You can find me at Show Star, and you can find the show at Troopany Show. You can find us on Facebook, the Troopany Show, and Patreon, the Troopany Show, where you can keep us free forever for everyone. And thank you to your subscriptions because they keep paying for our SoundCloud um, costs. And which enables you to all listen to it. So we appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, take care. We'll be back next week. Not sure what we're looking at next week. Haven't had the discussion. We usually decide on a Tuesday. If there's anything you want us to cover, by the way, if there's something you would like us to have a look at, we will have a look at it for you and give you an assessment. If you would like us to do that, let me know. You can DM me at Sheriff Lone Star or at Troopany Show on Twitter and we can find things to go look at or if there's any particular people you want us to talk about on Beginner's Guide to Japanese Wrestling or on the regard to British Wrestling or anything we've done in the past that you would like us to bring back let us know it would be cool thank you very much for listening to us today we'll speak to you soon bye <laughs>